Welcome to Intimate Interactions, where we discuss ways we share intimacy with our fellow humans. Sex, kink, non-monogamy, love, relationships, gangbangs, no intimacy topic is too taboo. Let's talk. Orientation is for some a lifelong struggle. Others rarely question it beyond their teenage years. I define orientation as the gender presentations to which one is attracted, their secondary sexual characteristics, possibly their shape, their clothing, their choice of makeup, all those sorts of things. Others might still extend that definition or restrict that definition. They may say it includes or is exclusively the gender identity to which they're attracted. So maybe someone says they're attracted only to men, regardless of the bodies that those men happen to be in. Finally, there are also going to be people that say orientation is about the genitals on the human body and has nothing to do with the clothes or anything else. To explore a topic this diverse on opinion, I've had many different people on the show, including Oz Riley and Levi, both of whom identify as gender non-binary. Folks like that have had many years to reflect on their gender identity, their gender expression, their sexuality, their orientation, those sorts of things. Today, I bring on Irene, someone just beginning her journey into sexuality, orientation, kink, non-monogamy, and gender. Let's explore what that looks like for her, here on Intimate Interactions. So that's me. So I run a blog. I'm, you know, a member of the kink community. In Vancouver. In yeah. Vancouver. I... It's, it's hard to get away from that one. Yeah. It's like, obviously, we're in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, member of the kink community, run a blog, intersectional feminist university student and we'll just leave it general okay um yeah that's about it but <laughs> basically and i'm sure this will come up when we're recording um as long as my parents don't find out i don't care <laughs> <laughs> it's just just my family just my parents right that yeah. just cannot find they out just cannot find about out. any of this <laughs> about any of this except for the intersectional feminist they except, already know about yeah, that yeah which they know about that because i'm at victoria's house doing a podcast on intersectional feminism that's right supposedly. that's right not victor's house but victoria's <laughs> house i appreciate that i appreciate that so <laughs> if you'd like we can just start right there i mean sure <laughs> um in fact i can just run us into the intro that you just did and then we're good to start if you'd like go for it i'm awesome. down with whatever cool um, let's start with orientation, because okay. I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. Sure. Wherever um, you like. Awesome. So what kind of orientation do you currently identify with? Um, at the moment, okay, so let's let's start very broad. I am cisgendered. I am female. I am able-bodied. I guess that's a part of my identity. Um, I identify as demisexual okay. um and for me that was a big thing because i have realized that i don't do intimate situations with strangers or people that i don't know very yep. well like i yep. it's just like if i know your name that's not good enough i need mm -hmm. to be emotionally connected to you in order to have a good time mm -hmm. so sex for me is very much something that i do at the minimum with a friend with kind mm -hmm. of thing mm -hmm. so for me demi was a really great um way to kind of explain that at the same time i'm 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 pen romantic and even as i'm saying this i'm struggling with it because it's all still so new to me right, um right. so yeah pen romantic in the sense that i really don't it doesn't matter to me i mean a person can be queer they can be 
trans. They can be whatever. That's not what matters to me um, in terms of who I seek out as a partner. I'm looking so for that their, connection. their orientation doesn't matter to you? Their orientation doesn't matter to me. Um, mm-hmm. For me, a connection is between the two of us, the way we interact, the chemistry, you know, the way we treat each other, like all of these other things. So, mm-hmm. you know, gender or identity, like all of these things don't really matter. You know, they're not kind it, of the In primary... terms of what is going to make you attracted to someone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not what I'm, you know, so <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, so these are kind of the words that I've been, that I've been, you know, kind of playing with as of late. Demi, mm-hmm. you know, pan romantic or pansexual, just to kind of simplify and um, queer, I guess. And it's always kind of that question of, you know, am, am I queer now? Like, when are you queer? Right. And I guess like the whole questioning if you're queer makes you queer is kind of how it works. It's definitely, it's definitely the queerest question you could be asking <laughs> is like, am I queer enough to call myself queer? Because I really don't feel straight enough to call myself straight. Yeah, that's and that's pretty much how it is for me is I don't yeah. feel straight enough to call myself straight. And mm-hmm. that's just kind of why I've been you know, looking for these other terms and identities. And this is, this is what I've come up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sorry. As you were talking, I was thinking about the things that I'm still thinking about. <laughs> so as you were mentioning, like, these are all just so fresh and I, I, I almost don't have the words. It's yeah. like, they're still in that maelstrom or tornado. And I'm just trying to get the Tetris blocks to come down and make sense. Yes, exactly. That's mm-hmm. very much how it is for me. And it's like, I know these words fit, but I guess I haven't really had an opportunity to, like, say, hey, Mm -hmm. this is who I am. I haven't really, you know, quote-unquote, introduced myself this way. So for me, it's still very much very, very fresh and trying to figure out those words and how to explain this is still very new. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask the question, how does does culture inhibit or promote or impact that quest, that journey of trying to figure (laughs) stuff out? (laughs) Um, Culture is a really... (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean... I don't know of any other demi-pan queer... I don't know many people that are, you know, that identify as me, certainly not in in my immediate community. So for me, um, it's hard, I think. Like, culture kind of inhibits that. It, You know, I feel like sometimes, like, I don't even know what I'm doing and I'm kind of the only person doing this or that I'm like Mm -hmm. forging a brand new path surely I'm not um but it feels that way sometimes because I have no other like people that are like me to go by Mm -hmm. um so it's it's it makes it kind of a weird time because I'm kind of you know I'm very passionate about being a a member of my South Asian community but at the same time I have all of this other half of me that you know deserves to also be respected and to be free to live as I truly am. So, you know, trying to make that balance happen is, is mm-hmm. an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It definitely sounds challenging. Mm-hmm. As, as soon as you said South Asian community, I got this flash of Russell Peters saying like, we represent the gay South Asian community. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's just this one person. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. It's, pretty much. It's yeah. pretty good. Um, well, and, and clearly it's not. Um, again, I think culture plays a large role in stopping people from, publicly going on that journey for sure i agree yeah even just like semi-publicly like even telling their brothers and sisters kind of deal oh god yeah like it's not even like i can't tell my parents it's like i don't know if i can tell my brother or sister no and i don't know if i can right so yeah no i fully agree it's it's one of those things where you know you kind of go on this journey completely by yourself completely Mm -hmm. outside of your community and so you know there's certain people that i'm open to but Mm -hmm. certainly not within the south asian community right yeah yeah, it's kind of an interesting idea of dating someone 
Mm-hmm. Um, if I may say from our culture, I didn't grow up in India, mm-hmm. but I neither did I. I, I. Okay, fair enough. I spent six months living there and, you know, my mom's South Indian. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I would almost be so cautious if I were to encounter other folks that are sort of steeped in South Asian culture just because of the stigma that exists. And I would always be sort of, it's, I'm not saying I wouldn't pursue it i'm just saying i would definitely go with caution because oh god I'd be worried about yes so much caution and it's mm-hmm. like dating as a as a south asian person mm-hmm. who is just kind of you know doing the heterosexual straight thing like even that's complicated are you <laughs> kidding me <laughs> like what am i doing i've made my life so complicated but hey this is who i am right but yeah no it's mm-hmm. it is it's weird and confusing and i think you know when you're a South Asian that's living in, you know, in North America in general, I feel like a lot of the South Asian diaspora, like, that I've interacted mm-hmm. with have kind of this whole feeling of, like, oh, my God, like, this is just, like, twice as complicated because, like, living in North America and being brown in, in general is just kind of a whole, it's a very unique experience. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of caution that goes into dating, and it, I think it's so much more complicated for South Asian folks. For sure. And for people listening who don't understand what those complications could possibly be, oh, right. um, would you be interested in maybe going into some detail as to some examples of things that might be different between your experience and a non-racialized experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'll start out very general. Um, I think even just for a South Asian person, like dating someone who is white, for example, is met with a lot of resistance and it's a really, really uncomfortable thing. And it's like, you mm-hmm. know, you're met with a lot of questions or, you know, even like um, a really great example was uh, three weeks after my 16th birthday, my grandfather, <laughs> bless him, uh, gave me a handout that explained all of the expectations for marriage three weeks after my 16th oh, birthday. Wow, okay. And it was like, don't marry a divorcee, don't move in with somebody. And I'm just like, what? What? We live in North America. Like, are you, even at the age of 16, and I was just like, are you kidding me? And at the same time, I was like, this is too much too soon. Like, what is going on? Right. My brain shut down. Um, yeah, no. And then, I mean, as you go into other identities, like, you know, as as a member of the LGBTQ community, and I know that there are South Asians that are gay or bi mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. you know, that fit somewhere on that spectrum, and they're not able to come out to their families or to their communities, and I see how it pushes them out. And it, it that's honestly the part that breaks my heart and the part that I'm still struggling to figure out is how do I get these people that are still members of my community? How do I bring them back into the community? How do I make them feel safe and welcomed? Um, And then on a personal note, um, as someone who identifies as kinky, um, you know, being South Asian and kinky is a whole other kind of situation. Um, that is a whole it's other a situation. Whole, it's a whole other situation. But like, you know, that's not something I can come out to my parents about either because that right. it's just not something that they're going to be... Could you imagine the levels of processing that would have to go on in their brain? Oh my God. It would just be... It would be a nightmare. I remember the time my mother found a dildo and even that was a hard thing to deal with. Wow. <laughs> and it was just like, uh, where did this come from? <laughs> what what you know right, like right, right. just like her brain completely like shutting down and having to start over so i mean you know i don't think i would ever be able to come out as that and so the kind of the way i've had to live my life and you mm-hmm. know really strategize you know how i'm going out and about and doing things in a way that my parents won't find out you know mm-hmm. um yeah it's just it's weird being a south asian person sometimes i wouldn't have it any other way but oh, for sure yeah but it just it keeps things interesting there's like a couple extra challenges to getting things done 
Yep, I completely can respect <laughs> that. I did come out to my mom. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was an interesting conversation. <laughs> the way that I look at it is like never underestimate the power of denial. But <laughs> Yeah, it is honestly <laughs> so true. The power of denial and the lengths to which my mother and like my, my family have gone to deny and like mm-hmm. not realize what's going on, even when it's like probably stared them straight in the face. Like, where were you? Oh, I was, you know, hanging out with this person and I was I was not. I was at a dungeon party. Like right. you know and just like the number of times that they probably could have put two and two together and haven't and like chose not to they're like (laughs) i'm not i'm not gonna ask i know that she's currently in in you know uganda but regardless (laughs) sure you were sleeping over at her place yeah yeah no they're the power of denial is very strong in south asian families and that's it's priceless and i'm forever grateful because then they deny and then they forget about and you're like okay we're good Something my brother often says when we're talking about the power of denial in my South um, Indian mom (laughs) is denial ain't just a place in Egypt. (laughs) I love that joke. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, denial is more than just a river in Egypt. Oh, my God. It's literally my favorite joke. (laughs) I'm glad glad you like it so much. He does as well. (laughs) I specifically really enjoyed it, like, with respect to my mom. Um, and, and just being the weird person that I am and all yeah. the different weirdnesses that I embody. Mm-hmm. No, totally. It's... Com- coming to embrace that in myself was challenging enough. I think I had some privilege in just having like a white dad and having mm. a mixed race environment at home. Mm-hmm. That sort of very traditional style of parenting wasn't allowed to dominate, but it was still present. Right. So it's it's weird. It's a weird third environment. <laughs> But yeah. it's, it still impacts things like orientation and relationship absolutely. styles. Absolutely. And... Absolutely. No, yeah. And it's it's even weirder for me because it is a very traditional household. And here I am, the kind of the shit stirrer who's like gone completely in the opposite direction of all expectations. Of and course. yet somehow manages to completely meet all of my community's expectations. I'm highly involved in my community and I do all of this community work. And then meanwhile, I'm off doing all the other kinds of crazy shit. And, it's and just they're like... all expecting you one day to settle down <laughs> with a nice Indian man. Yep. That is, that is honestly my biggest fear is that oh, that's no. going to happen. I, and that's fine. You know, I will cross that bridge when I get to it. And I've had, you know, I've had a chat with my mother actually. And I was like, I don't need you to help me find a boyfriend or a husband. I need you to help me buy property. Like, come on, mom. I want to move out. I have career goals. Like, marriage is not the only thing going for me in my life. So, you know, let's focus on other things. And I will let you know when I am ready to, like, settle if that is what I want to do. You know, like, I will let you know. I'm going to run that part of my life. You can help me with this part of my life. Like, let's shift gears. (laughs) Yeah, and I imagine that's one of those, oh, you millennials conversations. Um, or does she support your career goals over family? She does support my career That's goals. Awesome. Yes, my family is very, very supportive that I am very, very ambitious about my career goals. Being awesome. at university, you know, hustling for a really great job, like they're all for it, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, she took that conversation pretty well. So That's awesome. I'm I'm hopeful. It's kind of one of those things where there's certain things you can push with your parents and certain topics that you can't. And I'm I'm constantly <laughs> feeling it out. It's just a constant. If I tell you this 
this thing or how are you gonna react or like you know I'll try to like tell her something in a roundabout way and I'll just like kind of gauge her reaction and see how she deals with it and like for example like feminist content I can only push her so far and then she just she just like kind of tunes out and I'm like all right so that's your limit right there and then you know other things like she's completely willing to kind of walk with me on the journey my mm -hmm. mental health for example right she was totally like you know she was like I don't get it but I'm willing to learn and so I I guided her mm -hmm. on that process to like understanding how my brain works and things like that so yeah it's is, is it's that interesting something you want to talk more about? I'm totally open to talking about it okay, yeah sure do you want to <laughs> go into a little more detail as to what that looked like when your mom was willing to learn yeah absolutely um so for anyone curious um I have depression and anxiety um holla holla <laughs> The great, the great, the, the great depression and anxiety sandwich or whatever you want to call it. They sure. always seem to come together. Um, but, you know, and so it was, it was kind of a whole interesting thing where I had to first of all figure out that, hey, I needed help mm -hmm. and figure out what that looks like and then break that news to my family. Right. And have them, you know, and they had no clue. And it's like, well, why can't you get out of bed? Oh, I'm depressed and anxious. Now, what, what does that have to do with getting out of bed? You know, and it right, was like, right. you're starting mm -hmm. at the experiment like at the ground level and you're building from there and eventually being like hey this is what this does like this is how this works and you know at the same time trying to explain that in multiple languages you know yes. um, but you know eventually I did get the help that I needed um and I'm doing very very well um mm -hmm. way better than I was and you know it was kind of one of these things where my mom was like I don't I just don't get it I just don't understand like how can this impact you so much? How is it that you, like, like, what do you mean you were failing classes? What do you mean you were only showering every third day? Like, w w like I didn't see these things. I didn't. And I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? I didn't want to look like a failure in your eyes. So I hid those things. And mm -hmm, that kind mm -hmm. of took her a very long time to process. And, you know, mm -hmm. so it, it would, for me, my personal journey, you know, and I think everyone's journey is going to look a little different. For me, it was kind of a lot of these very, very gradual conversations and a lot of examples. So one example that I gave to my mother was um, I actually fell on some black ice and like scraped up both of my hands and knees pretty badly. And I used that situation to explain to my mother. I was like, you know, I was like, mom, like for a week now, because I, you know, my hands and knees have been hurting. You've been driving me back and forth from the train or, you know so that I don't have to like walk and take the bus. I said, but I need you to not do that. Tomorrow, I'm going to walk to the bus. And she's like, why? Why is that so important? I can just drive you. I'm home tomorrow. No, no, mm -hmm. no, mom. I actually need to deal with this now or else I'm going to be afraid to walk to the bus ever again. It's like falling off a horse. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'd have to kind of use these sort of situations and kind of explain it to her. And so she, then it was kind of easier for her to go, oh, I get it now. Like, this is something, this is this is the way you deal with your world and this is how you work through things. And it's different from the way that she does things, but mm -hmm. she's able to kind of get a better, better understanding of where I'm at now. So it's been really cool. And I'm very, very blessed that she was willing to come along with me on that journey. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Great. So when you first started realizing that you were not that cis straight going to get married, <laughs> going to have perhaps a Bollywood style romance, <laughs> when you first started suspecting all of those things may not coalesce into this amazing future that presumably your mom wanted for you, mm -hmm. um, how, did you how did you process that moment of, oh, wait, this, I may not, like, when did you first realize that schism of, but I'm just going to be this this person that's expected and I'm going to do these things and be amazing at all these things that are expected of me to, oh, wait, I can't. Mm. How did you handle that oh. moment of? Yeah, it was weird. I feel like it's been a very 
gradual awakening where Mm -hmm. it's like one thing at a time and um like i think it was like late in high school and i had this moment where i was like hey boobs are really nice sure (laughs) that was honestly where i started and i was like oh crap like what like there's this whole other part of me that i had no idea existed and Mm -hmm. it's just been one of those things where it's like every time i explore that i keep finding different things and different opportunities and i'm like okay well this is also possible um you know and it's i don't know i how do i deal with it gosh i may not have all of the answers to that i think for me i don't fully know how to deal with it I think I'm just kind of doing the best that I can every single day. Like, even realizing now that, like, <laughs> I call them my queer feels. Like, oh, I'm having a queer feeling right now. <laughs> and right. that's, I don't know, that's just the words that I have. It's like, oh, I feel kind of really queer right now. And, you know, even even that. And it's so far gone from, like, what is expected of me. And I don't know how to deal with it. I'm just kind of like, hey, I'm just doing the best that I can right now. And I'll figure out the rest when I get there, really, mm-hmm. it's it's really it it is it's really really weird, and it's kind of this awful moment of oh god, I am not gonna be able to live up to expectations. What am I gonna do about that? I don't know. I'll figure it out when I get there. <laughs> that's and that's honestly been been how I deal with stuff. Is it's just kind of a I'm just gonna roll with it, and I'll figure it out when I get there. But the one thing that I have really been striving for is to be true to myself. That's kind of my my life goal in a sense is I really, really mm-hmm. want to be as true to myself as possible. I want to be my realist self. And so, um, you know, Irene may not be my real name, but it's my truer name. It is who I truly am and, you know, a place where I have built, you know, um, just a whole community of people that know me as the person that I am, you know, happy, joyful, you know, outgoing, queer, mm-hmm. apparently, <laughs> you know, like all of these other things. And it's it's just who I am. And so being true to myself and finding ways to meet people's expectations, but to also be true to myself and be happy with myself, I think that's really what it boils down to. And if I can, you know, do things for my community, but also be myself and be happy, then I'm good. I've done my job. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I got really like. No, no, you're great. Okay, That's thank fine. you. It was like I don't know a deep dive, I guess. <laughs> mm. Did you find? So you said there was a gradual awakening. Did you find there were any sort of stages where you sort of came to like key realizations or like mm-hmm. key? Um, did you want to talk about some key realizations and like how they sort of impacted your sense of identity? Hmm. I mean. I just know that it kind of, like, happens in in stages for me, like, when Mm -hmm. I realize things about myself, like, you know, I realized that I was heteroflexible, and when I found that terminology, I was like, yes, okay, great, like, thank you, somebody, somebody else knows what I'm talking about, um, and then, for example, more recently, talking, I was talking to someone who is demisexual, and I was like, can you just, like, tell me more about this term and, like, what it means to you, and they kind of talked about it, and I was like, yeah, like, that makes sense, you know? Mm -hmm. I came across a photo on the internet that was a pansexual flag and then a demisexual flag underneath it. Or I think it was, like, the asexual spectrum flag. I don't remember which one it was. I'm so sorry. That's okay. But it it said, you know, I love all people, but I need to know more than your name. And I was like... (gasps) 
it's me, it's me. Somebody else <laughs> knows. Like somebody else has like been there and understands. And that it yeah, it's kind of these moments of it just kind of clicks and you're just like, oh. Um, even with like you know, queer things like, hey, you know, maybe I would be interested in like wearing a harness and like, you know, packing. And I was just, it was one of those things that just, I never thought about it. And then it was suggested to me as an idea. And the way it was presented to me, it finally clicked. It was, and that was really weird for me, but it was also very cool. And that was a very queer feelings moment, you know? Definitely. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, that's what I mean. It's kind of gradual. And then all of a sudden when it clicks, it really clicks it's it's so bizarre it is so weird to try and explain it no and and i think that's a very normal experience okay cool um, i know that when i i'm to be honest i still haven't had my queer feelings like coalesce <laughs> it, it's mostly just been a couple of encounters where i've been like oh well okay then <laughs> and that's totally valid i'm pretty sure i've been there too yeah um but i it definitely is I don't want to say a clusterfuck, but it's, <laughs> it's it's a lot of trying to figure out where where you are true to yourself and mm -hmm. where you can be safe to live. Oh my god, I love that. I yeah. absolutely love that. No, that is that I I resonate with that so much because it is definitely like how much true to myself can I be versus being able to save the safe to live thing and you know yeah. that's why like i still will live with my family because that's the safest and best option for me at this point in my life but you know I'm still going out and doing all of these things and, and being very true to myself even when it's not necessarily the only option mm -hmm. when you have a better option and you can live on your own own your own house and and be in a career that you want um even then it's not nice to be completely excommunicated from one's family yeah that's that's not a comfortable feeling especially no. when you're so invested in your community absolutely and that is that is honestly one of my biggest fears i'm just like that is that is the thing that i don't want to happen you know and i want to be able to be myself in the hopes that some some child in the future or some future generation mm -hmm. is going to be able to look at me and be like you know, or just that I'm going to be able to help someone and help people see sure. that there are people of all kinds on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and even people of all kinds in the South Asian community. God, yes. Just, yeah. <laughs> but there's just such that. a penalty to being visible that it's yeah. hard for the first people to be visible. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So yeah. it's an interesting time. But I, I love the way you phrase that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Um, hmm. So when you were describing demisexuality, mm -hmm. it almost sounded similar to a thought I was having about how, as I get older, I'm less and less engaging with, with um, a sense of the body parts that someone has mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the acts and more and more engaging with a sense of intimacy. Yeah. And it's almost like it's not, it's not sex for the sake of sex. It's sex for the sake of intimacy. Yes. And if that's the case, then all of these other things open up as, you know, kink for the sake of intimacy mm -hmm. um, and, and cuddling for the sake of intimacy. And that's partly where non-monogamy is so helpful when yes. sexual exclusivity isn't a driving force. There's just so much less pressure. And when all that pressure sort of came off me, it just became more, oh, well, what experiences are possible in this new, what almost felt like a world of water where I was floating as opposed to being very grounded and centered in I have this one relationship mm -hmm. I have this one life that's sort of carved out and you can change it a bit like there's a bit of freedom yeah but it's not the same kind of freedom of I'm almost a sense of disorientation like there's so much freedom I yeah. find with non-monogamy mm -hmm. especially when you're practicing non-hierarchical non-monogamy the way that oh, I am oh gosh yeah 
um, I mean, I'm practicing relationship anarchy specifically, but even for non-hierarchical poly people, there's really, I, I, I mean, I guess I can only speak from my experience, but mm-hmm. I definitely went through a phase where I was non-hierarchically poly. <laughs> and I definitely feel like there's this almost just disorienting amount of freedom and so I guess it was yeah. asking the question, what experiences are possible with other people in this space? And what I came to was, you know, intimacy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Intimacy is is huge for me. Um, I will say, though, that for me being Demi, mm-hmm. um, sex for the sake of sex was never really an option. An option, you know, um, and I, I, I explored things and I went through a phase where I was like, hey, you know, like I'm. I'm sexually active. Like, let's do the hookups. And I, it was always awful. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's totally fine. Like it was, but it was just one of those things where it never felt good. It never felt pleasurable. It never felt enjoyable, you know, even if it probably was a great time for the other person and, you know, good for them. Um, but for me, <laughs> <laughs> I probably don't even remember their name, but good for them, you know? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no, for me, it was never really something that I enjoyed like it just didn't I would I would rather stay home and masturbate than go out and have sex with a stranger and and that was just kind of I hit a point very very quickly actually of like "Mm, this just doesn't doesn't work for me Mm -hmm. you know and I found that the the sex that I enjoyed um was with people that I was close to and people that I was able to be intimate with and you know even if it's still sex for the sake of sex it's with someone that I am intimate with and that mm-hmm. I have this connection to mm-hmm. um and that connection is so important but yeah no I fully agree like you know that intimacy I think is what drives me as well um in terms of the way I do things is I'm looking for that connection and for that intimacy and you know um I wonder sorry I don't mean to No interject. go right ahead I just the thought struck me as you were saying that I wonder how much of pleasure is tied into a sense of safety oh my goodness um just because i was i was reflecting on how because as you were speaking i was thinking yeah hookups yeah i didn't really enjoy hookups either i, I don't right. think i ever really did one i kind of had like a two-night stand once <laughs> um, but i mean maybe that was because i stayed over yeah i'm not really sure anyways it just ended up being <laughs> and that was an awkward experience that didn't really like land for mm-hmm. me even though i'm still friends with that human and right still have her on facebook and all that jazz but it's like i don't know it's the it's the strangest thing the notion of sex for the sake of sex i understand like mm-hmm. even from my personal um lived experience just getting my needs met physically but i there are spaces that that feel comfortable to do that like masturbation like you said yeah um and sex with people that i care about yeah and then there and there's still adventure for me in finding new partners to be mm-hmm. intimate with and exploring like how do our bodies engage? How does chemistry work? How do our minds engage? Mm-hmm. Like asking all those interesting questions is still brings me a sense of adventure and meets those needs. Totally. Um, there's an amazing um, sex party community that I'm part of that I'm so grateful to be part of. And the humans there. That's amazing. Honestly, like if at any point this is something you're considering, you let me know. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. <laughs> but at the same point. It's and not that I'm in any way recruiting you for whatever. That's too funny. Um yeah, actually I'm 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 a little curious about qualifiers because that community started with partners of partners. Mm. So it was it was an extended polycule that became a party, that became a regular thing, that became okay, but like can partners of my partners bring their partners? <laughs> Wow, okay. So then the rule became, like, you had to be partners with somebody already attending to get an invite. Interesting. And again, this is in no way suggesting you might be partners. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no. Um, I'm fascinated anyways, just, just because I'm so I'm so open to like all of these possibilities. Right. And like to me that's fascinating. And, and you I can think always that grow your own community. You don't totally. have to like come to this one. You can always start one that's <laughs> equally awesome somewhere else. Yeah, no, totally. But I love that idea because there's a certain level of safety to that where it's like, hey, yeah. somebody here knows this person. Mm-hmm. Like there is a level of connection there and a level At of the safety. Very least, somebody that I sleep with <laughs> slept with somebody who made a very bad life decision. <laughs> It's like at least. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. No, but there is, but there's still safety in that, and that it's almost like a vetted space where it's like yes. you know everybody kind of you know they're granted it might be like six degrees removed, but you kind of all are yeah. connected in a way, and I really like that. You know, um, yeah, sex and safety. That's a really interesting concept that I actually never considered. Um, Just because hmm. I feel like arousal and fear are so like almost um inversely related yeah i mean i shouldn't say that as a general rule because i definitely <laughs> i definitely know humans where arousal and fear are not yeah, inversely they go related hand in hand all. for some people absolutely <laughs> i'm not one of those humans <laughs> i don't know yet if i'm one of those humans i'm still figuring it out that's a great that's a great and interesting thing because now you're making me think just because i don't get an erection doesn't mean that i don't get a charge out of being afraid yeah and i think that scenario would actually be quite rewarding for me mm-hmm. but it it's it really makes you reinvent sex as you think about it oh yeah for sure for sure for sure maybe that's how you know you're queer you make <laughs> you make statements like it really makes you reinvent sex as you think. <laughs> that's it we're queer we're reinventing sex <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> i love it um gosh yeah no that is just I'm just trying to process all that because that's super insightful and super thoughtful. And I just like, I keep going back to that, like sex and safety and like Mm -hmm. all of these things and fear. Yeah. I don't know. Like fear is one of those things not to dive too deep into kink right now, but like (laughs) we'll get to that. I'm sure. Um, But yeah, fear and sex, I think is fun if that's something you're up for exploring. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, even just having the opportunity to explore that in a partnership is very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but to di- to dive kind of backwards into like backflip back into back to da- to orientation, <laughs> non monogamy. Yeah, um, I don't. I'm just. I've been reflecting on like my experiences, and I don't know if like it was necessarily. I I, I love that idea that safety maybe has played a part in it, but like even. In just in demisexuality in general, maybe. Maybe, but like even for me, like in places that I felt safe, but sex wasn't enjoyable, you know, like I don't know. And I think for every person, it's going right. to be different, you know. I'm definitely not. For sure. Um, you know, my 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 experience and my perspective is going to be very different from another demisexual panromantic person i think so um part of the reason i was throwing it out there was as much for the listeners it wasn't meant as like a a personal critique no 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 not at all but i'm so fascinated by that right and i'm like chewing on that and i'm just like well and then you start adding in emotional safety and you start like questioning Mm -hmm. well maybe i felt physically safe but maybe i didn't feel like this person could be trusted with like my intimate self yeah there's there's so many levels to it and there's so many levels to like connection and you know just relationships in general and it's just like you know not doing like this is het straight thing just makes sense because you know i think relationships are so complicated and you know Mm -hmm. not everyone fits into the one mold and it's yeah it's an amazing time like even the way Mm -hmm. my current relationship is progressing um 
and just like kind of the ways in which you know what is a milestone if we're not if we're in a if I'm in a long distance you know relationship and right, my right. partner is Polly. Um, so what exactly are our relationship milestones? We're never gonna move in together. We're not you know right. like but so so what is it? Is oh, it there's when an we... amazing thread on Facebook about this <laughs> that's all about relationship anarchy milestones because once you're in, in exactly what you said yeah. once you're off of a script that has like marked relationship escalator milestones. Yeah. What is a milestone and how do you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, now you're making your own milestones, just like how we're reinventing sex. <laughs> I mean, I shared, I shared my Google calendar with him. That was a milestone. Like it absolutely is a milestone. That's legitimate. Like yeah. non-monogamy would not be possible without Google calendar. Oh God. Thank you to the engineers at Google. <laughs> Non-monogamy brought to you by Google Calendar. Not at all sponsored by Google. <laughs> not, at all, not at all sponsored by Google. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's 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 amazing, and it's just like, um, you know, like how do you interact with your partner? And it's just all of these different things. When do you reach a milestone? Like, is it when you guys decide to like, you know, hop on a plane and go see the other person? Is that your milestone? Like, what is it anymore? So I'm actually, I'm trying really hard not to like interrupt you laughing because I Google relationship anarchy milestones. And the very first thing that came up was the video that I recorded with Kale Gosen. <laughs> You're famous. Um, I mean, not really, but maybe. Yes. Um, from Relationship Anarchy. I believe she's just relationshipanarchy.com. I think so. And that's a great website, by the way, for any of our listeners. Like, relationshipanarchy.com. Go for it. Seriously. Such a great resource. I'm not 100% sure that's us. It's okay, nope. though. I will find all the resources. <laughs> you, will, you will do all of the googling. Yeah. No. Um, funny story. I kind of randomly spontaneously my partner and i were talking um over text of course because that's the majority of our communication um and this is the other thing about like being long distance and in a relationship with someone who has multiple partners it's a really interesting time um but at the same time you know one of the things that we agreed on was hey communication is kind of our touchstone like communication is the foundation that allows us to do all of the things you know and so i know if he's with another partner and that's totally fine like you know i'm just like hey have an amazing time but also uh can we communicate about things and we were joking mm. about um how neither one of us were very good at flirting and recognizing that we were being flirted with <laughs> and, and uh and how we may have um when we first started talking um accidentally flirted with each other like unknowingly like I must have flirted with him without even realizing and he was forwarding my messages to his partners and being like is she flirting with me like is that what's happening that right is now funny. oh my god it was really really funny and um, I have a partner just like that he's like <laughs> what do you mean that person was flirting with me and I'm just like head desk <laughs> well, we were both like that, where it was like, apparently we were flirting back and forth, had no idea, but we we're having a great time anyways, you know, and I'm just, and he said something along the lines of, you know, like, oh, the school children with the do you like me, yes or no notes, like, they have it right, and I'm like, so basically, I'm going to need to write something down on a piece of paper that says, will you marry me, yes or no, and that's how we're going to have to do it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Your that's... eye roll right there was perfect. Yeah, that's... You know, though, if you if you just file the right form with certain humans, then they get the idea. But sometimes you need to file a form. <laughs> and I'm like, is that what it's going to take for us to like get you might to need that to point? File, like an application for marriage. 
and then like make sure to tack on the additional schedules for like <laughs> when I say schedule, I don't mean calendar. I no. mean like the the up uh, the appendix or the the additional rider or like sheet that goes with it. I have I have no idea, but we had a really good laugh about that. I'm glad. <laughs> We're both terrible at flirting, but hey, it works. So We're... I'm I'm glad you touched on relationship milestones sure. to bring it full circle back. Um, it's relationship-anarchy.com. That's Kale Gosen's website. Oh, cool, And cool. she just started a podcast. <laughs> She's three episodes in. How didn't yes. I know this? Oh, my God. Well, congratulations to them. Yes, absolutely. I am just going to write down um, to make sure that I put all of this in the resources. So yes. people will have resources. Absolutely. Resources are amazing, super, super helpful. It's helped me, too. Like, just being able to, like, visit websites and stuff or just to be able to, like, look around and get a feel for what other people are talking about and, like, how they explain things. And it, it really does help. Like, I feel like, for mm-hmm. me... um half of my journey is actually in the research um for both kink and orientation and non-monogamy it's just like every time I do a little bit of research and I'm able to kind of process and go okay this is what this might kind of look like and then of course the other half being actually putting it into practice and seeing if that actually works and actually sticks or not (laughs) yep I couldn't agree more I have been going to the local kink convention every year for the last five years yeah cool Um, it was originally westward bound then it became west coast bound Mm -hmm. I've, I've been at every one that has ever happened of either of those amazing maybe i've been to six i'm honestly i'm losing count <laughs> i'm i'm getting i'm getting older <laughs> <laughs> um then there's me closeted south asian who cannot find an excuse to get there for a single day and right. is very very jealous but hey no it's amazing that you do that <laughs> no that's legitimate that's reasonable to be frustrated yeah with. no and it's fine like i've come to terms with that and i recognize that i'm you know 23 i'm young and i have my whole life ahead of me like mm-hmm. i don't have to do all of the things right now you but know you want to. I yeah, absolutely <laughs> I do want to. But I mean, I'm not trying to assign you things, but no, it just, I just no, no. I could see no, it. I could see your face. Yeah, no, I absolutely want to, but even like as of late and I'm just like, you know what? Like trying to get out to kink events is too stressful for me. Like it yeah. is a whole lot of work for me to have to like fabricate an excuse and to like, you know, and figure it's a out a long period of time. It's not yeah. like getting away for a couple hours. It's like No. And I'm, and I'm literally trying to make it a couple of hours where it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, or I'm using another event to cover for an event and, you know, things like that. And it's that just, does sound stressful. It is. It's a lot of work to even get to the table. Forget about even getting your kink on. So it's been one of those things where I'm like, you know what? I think it's time that I kind of dial this back for a little bit and I focus on other things because, yeah, I want to do all the things, but these things will still be here. Like, even West Coast Bound, like, it'll still be there. I don't have to rush to get to it. But you're still coming to CKV, right? Oh, absolutely. There's no way I'm not going to do that. That is, like, my touchstone lifeline, whatever you want to call it. No, that is a huge deal to me. I love it. So, no, I'm still coming to that, even if I'm not, you know, really on the radar anywhere else. But, yeah, I support things in spirit. At least then you'll be able to meet people and you could potentially play privately. Potentially. Totally, totally. And I think that's kind of the way forward for me for a little bit at least you know just until mm-hmm. I mean you know for for um, anyone who's listening you know I'm in my last year of my degree so I'm going to be graduating soon and moving out so mm-hmm. you know I have a whole bunch of like life changes coming my way so probably best to take a break from kink and just kind of chill out for a bit and then once my life settles down a little bit I can actually start coming back out to dungeon parties yeah. and I'll miss it but you know gotta do what's best for you self-care first totally mm-hmm. 100% I agree with that 100% <laughs> Um, and for those who don't know, CKV is Colorful Kinksters of Vancouver. It is a discussion and 
Munch. It's like a discussion group in Munch that yeah. I sort of run. That's a whole yeah. bunch of kinksters who are people of color who like get together to talk about. I mean, we've only had, I guess, two so far. Yeah, it's been two, but it's yeah. been amazing every time, and it's it's just. There also hasn't really been, like, there hasn't really been a consistent munch of that kind. No, pretty much ever. No, <laughs> and for the, a variety of reasons. Yeah, and this is why for me it's so it's so amazing. Like, it's just this feeling of, like, coming home and just like it's almost like I've just like, taken off my shoes and my bra type of thing, where you're just like <laughs> so comfortable because you're with, um, with people who get it. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a great feeling and it's such a great group to attend. So no, that is so much less guarded and yes. I don't need to explain myself to people. Absolutely. Like, they so just that... sort of understand the shit, even mm. if it's different shit. Like there's this mutual understanding of like, this too will pass. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So no, CKV, CKV is like home for me. So I yeah. love it. I'm excited to run more of them because um, we obviously have the third one coming up in November and then yes. there's going to be more after that. I am so pumped for that. I can't wait. And I love the fact that I'm seeing new faces. Like just, you know, even at the last one, just like the new faces that I saw, I was like, oh my God, like, yes, this is working. Like there are, yeah. my people are out here. They're in the community and like we're visible now. And that just well, we're like. we're visible to each other. To each other. Even if we're not visible in the community. Exactly. Exactly. And, but I think that's what matters even more. Um, I agree. Is being able to be visible to each other. I agree. And I, that's so it important. It makes it easier, too, to mm-hmm. go to events. Oh, totally. Because, I, I mean, when yeah. you go to events and you literally just see nobody like you and kind of wonder, like, is this even a space for me? Yeah. Yeah. Then and that's really hard. Then all of you know that there are a lot of people that do practice kink and that it can be a space for you. And if you feel unsafe or unwelcome, you can always do the color blast um, yeah. or color bomb thing that we were talking about <laughs> where we would just, like flash mob and there'd be just like a whole bunch of people of color that all go as a group and then all of a sudden you're not as concerned about Mm -hmm. safety and things like that absolutely no so that's why i think it's amazing and i wish every kink community in the world could have that like this yeah or even have a kink community yeah (laughs) without without fear of of punishment yeah no for sure that would be amazing yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, humans have all kinds of interesting structures and problems and solutions, and it's just about pulling the lever on that on that gambling machine and hoping that it comes up <laughs> well, b- better every year, you know? What is that saying? Necessity is the mother of invention or something? I guess so, yeah. And I think that's what it is. Like, humans are <laughs> such resourceful creatures that we're going to find a way to make it work. I'm trying not to be jaded about it, which is, <laughs> I'm realizing now as I think about, like, the gambling analogy, I'm like, wow, I really don't have a lot of faith that if people have a drive to make something, that it'll get made the way they intend. <laughs> like, I'm so used to it just, oh, we, we really were trying to build a car, and you're, like, looking at, like, a house. Oh. You're like, how did you get to this? <laughs> well, It just seemed like it would be better with a bathroom. <laughs> and, and there you go. It's like all the best projects just turn into something else, which is sometimes better. And sometimes sometimes, sometimes that journey is great. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, sometimes intentionally building something for a purpose and actually making sure it meets that purpose is also really important yeah i'm you know trying to do that with my blog as well when it where it's just you know a space where um you know i'm visible in a different way where it's not with my physical body but a digital space where i'm able Mm -hmm. to be a south asian woman who is you know exploring all of these different things kink you know orientation intersections feminism like just all of these things and being able to provide a resource for other south asians because we don't talk about sex we don't talk about it in our families you know all of my sexual education i had to go and find it mm-hmm. um it did not you know wasn't given to me really mm-hmm. um and that's fine you know i i made it out 
for the most part okay. <laughs> I, I, there's a there's a couple of qualifications to that because um, I'm actually currently working on a project where we're talking about consent, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and I was and and I and I reflect a lot of my life and how I thought I was so prepared because I knew you know I knew all of my safe sex stuff like I knew everything that I need I needed to know to be safe. I you knew I knew my birth control and all that kind of stuff. But the one thing from my toolkit that I was actually missing was consent. What is consent? Mm-hmm. When is consent revoked? All of these things, you know, and that wasn't something that was taught to me in school and it wasn't something that I had found online. And I was missing that, you know, and I think movements like Me Too and all of these things, we're talking about consent so much more now and it's so important because I had no idea, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there were unfortunate things that happened because of that, um, that I live with and that I'm okay with, you know, because I'm like, it was, <laughs> that was another one of those realizations that happened very suddenly and it was just like, oh shit, that thing that happened three years ago, oh, oh no, oh, oh, oh no. I'm so sorry <laughs> to hear that. But I laughed about it at the same time because I'm like, well, that was a thing and it took me three years to figure it out. Okay, then, you know. And that's um, not uncommon. No. That's a very no, common No, it's story. very, and this is what I've been learning is that it's very common. But yeah, so all of these things that like, you know, I wish that I had known and that, you know, I think, you know, that we need to talk about. And I feel like the South Asian community in particular has a really hard time talking about these things. So, you know, a space where I'm able to talk about, you know, sex toys and kink and feminism and all of the stuff that we don't normally talk about and I'm just trying to build a resource because mm-hmm. yeah gosh <laughs> awesome thank you you're absolutely welcome um, we still have some time left I wanted to maybe dive into non-monogamy a little bit let's do it awesome um, so really similar to the questions about orientation but when did you first sort of was it again still like a gradual stage wise process for figuring out that you might be non-monogamous so for me kind of the way it worked was i yeah originally i didn't see myself as ever being someone who was non-monogamous um and then i dated someone who was non-monogamous and they had another partner and so all of a sudden i had a metamor and i was like all right well this is a thing and then realized hey just because you know like I, I could be just monogamous in my relationship with a poly person, but mm-hmm. this is actually a really great opportunity and a very safe space for me to explore non-monogamy. And I was like, well, I'm going to do that then, and I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. And I did, and I tried it out, and I was like, hmm, maybe this actually works. And I mean, at the time, nothing worked out. It was a hot mess. But the idea of, you know, being non-monogamous worked for me and there's there's oh my god like there's such a spectrum of like the ways that you can go about doing non-monogamy mm-hmm. there's hierarchical hierarchical poly non-hierarchical poly there's um you know relationship anarchy there's just you know there's polyamory swingers, there's, there's lifestyle people. oh my gosh there's everything and it's technically swingers can't account as monogamous they identify as monogamous mostly oh interesting yeah yeah um they're just not sexually exclusive but mm. they see themselves as like socially monogamous mm, interesting interesting yeah mm. and this is this is what i mean though like there's so many different ways that you can go about doing it and it was just like I don't know and I still don't know I still am figuring out you know um, am I just you know a person that's happy to date people that are non-monogamous am I a monogamous person does that you know like at what point do we define things as monogamy and non-monogamy you know what does that look like so I'm still figuring it out you know what makes me the happiest in terms of my relationships what does Mm -hmm. that need to look like is it 
you know, so I'm still, you know, in the process of figuring that out. But, you know, it's been amazing to be able to kind of um, explore and try things out and to make mistakes and just kind of, you know, and people have been like, hey, you might be happiest in something that looks like this or something that looks like this. And, you know, um, just having the opportunity to kind of learn and explore has been really, really cool. Mm hmm. I find that non-monogamy for me is not that it doesn't make me very happy, but when I'm practicing non-monogamy, I try and remember that it's okay if I'm not the happiest I'll ever be at that yeah. specific moment, because mm -hmm. there are always going to be times you struggle. Oh, totally. But I do find it to be the most fulfilling of any style of relationship I've been in. I feel the most satisfied as a person. I feel the most relaxed at the end of the day. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think that's kind of what I would want as well. So, yeah, I don't have all the answers, but I'm, sure. I'm figuring it out, you know? And it's, it's cool. It's kind of cool to be just kind of learning and trying things out. So... Yeah. So do you identify more with any one kind of non-monogamy? Uh, for me, I'm not really into, like, I'm, I'm like, non-hierarchical. Hierarchical. <laughs> yeah, that is That's such a, a word. word. Non-hierarchical poly. Like, yeah. I just, just for me as a person, when I love someone, I love them very unconditionally. Um, and I don't want to, you know, like, have anyone feel like they're less than the others. So... Um, that's kind of the poly that I'm doing right now. And even though I only have the one partner right now, I do identify as this type of poly. And if something mm -hmm. else kind of comes my way, then I am very open to that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I identify, even though I still have a lot of confusion and feelings and things that I'm figuring out. The, the one landmark I'll, I'll point at as we kind of drive by on this very brief tour of, <laughs> of the inside of your brain um, is the notion of equality among partners. Yeah. I'll just like be like, hey, watch out for that potential landmine. Yeah. I find that loving people differently doesn't necessarily mean an enforced sense of equality, mm -hmm. but it, it, it does mean not enforcing a sense of inequality. Yes. And, and I, I, I sound so similar, but it's such a significant difference mm -hmm. because on the I one like hand, that. there's right on the one hand, there's, there's like trying to stress like, okay, I have to make sure I balance my time evenly and, and give evenly to all of my partners. Mm -hmm. But if you can free yourself from that incredibly restricting mold that I find puts a lot of pressure on the individual dyads in a relationship mm -hmm. um, or in a series of relationships, I, I think there's so much richness to be discovered in the ways that we love people differently and the ways that we can do things that work for our individual partnerships when you don't compare them to other partnerships, even when that comparison comes from a place of equality. Mm-hmm. So that's so much more nuanced than what I was trying to say and probably what I was trying to say, but you just said it way better. So we're just going to go with what you said. Sure. <laughs> no, that was Thank beautiful. You. That was absolutely amazing. Thank you. <laughs> no, and I appreciate that, right? Like, it's it's so hard sometimes to find the words to explain these things or, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, wording, best practices, all that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, I appreciate having you here right now because I certainly would not be wording things as well as I am having you here to kind of help me with these words. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, you're, you're the expert that's coming on the show. <laughs> I think it's kind of a mutual thing. You know, we have our lived yeah. experiences and we're experts in our own lives and that's we just true. kind of make the best out of what we've got, right? See, there was some amazing wordsmithing Aww, right there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> awesome. 
so do you find that having non-monogamy to circle back on yeah. um, the conversation we we're having do you find that having non-monogamy impacts the intimacy of your individual relationships as in, like in a good way um, i mean like and if so how <laughs> so. If so, um <laughs> i i i really don't i don't know um i just could you say that again please yeah um <laughs> Just that when you have multiple partnerships, mm-hmm. if the state of being non-monogamous, even non-hierarchically, mm-hmm. um, whether or not that... I'm trying not to laugh at pronouncing <laughs> that. Um, just being non-monogamous, does it have an impact on the intimacy of an individual relationship? Hmm. Versus if you are monogamous with each of them in series rather than all at the same time. Right. Although um, then it's not technically monogamy. <laughs> Because um, chronology matters, people. You can sleep with 50 people and date them <laughs> one month at a time. So long as they're not at the same time, it's monogamous. <laughs> but the second two of them overlap, it is now non-monogamous. <laughs> and if you do not inform all parties, it is unethical. Uh-oh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I don't know why oh the, cops, the cops theme is playing in my head right now. Yeah, that's, that's probably about right. <laughs> Um, oh my goodness, I'm going to attempt to bring myself back from that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just keep, like, <laughs> shunting us off of um, any that semblance. That was of... so good, though. That was so funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um. Uh, serial monogamy. <laughs> serial monogamy. Boy, oh boy. Not that there's anything no, wrong with that. No, if that, if that works for you, hey, go for it, you right? You can be a Captain Crunch or a Honeycomb kind of person, <laughs> but never at the same time. Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm, I continue to make light of this. And again, there's nothing wrong with serial monogamy. I'm not trying to judge serial monogamists. Oh my goodness. Now I can't even say serial monogamy without laughing. Um, but honestly, I really am not trying to judge people who choose to practice monogamy that way. The, the thing that I think, the reason you're hearing a chip on my shoulder <laughs> is the notion of stigma that mm-hmm. you can be a serial monogamist and because you're monogamous, there's no stigma around it the same way there is if you're non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it becomes this thing that will you know, unseat you in your family from your from your status or position or yeah. or even from being in a place of feeling like you're loved and accepted. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just arranged your life as more of a serial monogamist, all of a sudden it's more acceptable. Yeah. Even no. if it's not acceptable to some types yeah. of families or cultures. Absolutely. But it's still like mildly more, more acceptable and it's just yeah, no, I would there's even a suggest huge difference. far more than mild. Yeah. <laughs> I mean if you try I'm to, putting it lightly. <laughs> I mean if you think about the way that like if I think about the way that my mom would have reacted to me regularly, and it's different because I'm a because I'm a man because mm-hmm. I'm socialized as a man, and so like her perspective as a South Asian woman of a son doing that would be different than her perspective of say my sister doing the mm-hmm. same thing. Absolutely, yeah. No, that plays into it. Um, but yeah, the comparison between the two, like my mom considering, oh, he's dating a lot of people versus what do you mean you're non-monogamous? Yeah, like that's completely just like it it's changes. Off the map. It just changes. It's like, oh my god, you're a completely different person all of a sudden. Well, right. to them, right? right? Yeah. It's like when you hear about people who find out that their parent is gay. Mhm. And and it like challenges their identity somehow and you're like, what what does that have to do with your identity? Mhm. But it's like a total shift and it's just like It just kind ground, of goes yeah, ground shifting. It, at the same time it comes back to do I even know you, which is like, well, of course you do. Just they were always, you know, gay. Yeah. Um, so, which is you know, all right. <laughs> if, if anything, I would think that the response would be more like, "Wow, I'm so sorry you felt the need to keep that." Mm-hmm. You know, like, "Are you okay? Like, how can I support you?" Like, you'd think that the response to a loved one coming out of something would be more like, "Oh, okay, 
is there anything you need from me? Like, I think it's just the shift in perception. Yeah. And I think it's, it's you know, how how you relate to that person, how you connect to that person, your understanding of that person. And then to have something that goes so completely against how you wrapped your head around that person. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's what that what that knee-jerk reaction is of, like, I don't even know you anymore. You, you do. It's just, you know, the way you related to that person, you connected and interacted with them, mm-hmm. has changed a little bit. And it's changed in a way that you completely didn't expect. I mean, if it's a family member, hopefully their orientation hasn't changed anything. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm just kind of no, I'm talking I'm, I'm, in generalities, but you and, know. And I, and I think you're right in a lot of ways. I think yeah. a lot of people would frame it like that, and, mm-hmm. and almost my criticism of that defensive, like I don't even know this person, comes back to like, you know, if you didn't have a sexual relationship with them before, and all of a sudden their orientation towards their sexual partners changes. It doesn't really involve you in any way. No, it but it just really comes back to that you. perception thing, I think. You're 100% yeah. right. It does come back to perception. <laughs> yep. So speaking of perception, were yes. we talking about Bart? <laughs> yes, we were talking about non-monogamy. I love that we kind of go down these, I just like... went on such a rant about, like, <laughs> that fuck was, stigma. That was Victor's soapbox right there. That no, but was. it was amazing. I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to let you have this moment because it was, it was great. No, Thank seriously. Um, and it, there is a lot because stigma, stigma sucks. Um, and that's, you know, just kind of a thing that I deal with, too. And I'm just like, do I really, you know, like... I'd love to talk more about who I am as a person um, openly to people, but I can't, you know, just because stigma is a thing. Um, for me, I haven't really ever, despite identifying as poly, I haven't really had two partners at the same time very okay. much, but I, you know, I've had partners who have had metamors. It's just kind of how the way things have worked out. And let me be clear, I haven't been doing this for a very, very long time either. Sure, sure. Um, a year well, and a half maybe okay. you know yeah so this is a very kind of novice perspective into the whole thing but for me um i i love connecting with my partners metam- with my partner's partners it came my metamors or i love just it's being able to like incredibly enriching right it is i love it or it's just like even I mean, hearing from my partner <laughs> not always yeah there's but a there's, th- yeah th- we can get into that but um <laughs> but it's it's really nice when you're able to like and for me, for me, and actually both of my um, non-monogamous relationships, the the fact that there's another partner involved mm-hmm. has actually been incredibly helpful for me because it's like, you know, are you okay? Are you alone right now? If you're alone, I'm going to freak out. If your other partner is there with you, I'm going to freak out, but I'm going to freak out a little bit less because I know you actually have someone there that you can lean on. Um, right. You know, when, when stuff is going down, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my partner... Um, just yesterday I think he was like oh I'm, I'm kind of panicking right now for x y and z reason and I said are you alone is x person with you like what is going on and he's like oh no this person is with me I'm like okay cool so then I'm able to kind of step back from my panic of oh my god you know he's not okay and I'm able to go okay this person is with right. you can the two of you do x y and z like you know like let's actually the, work the through this metamorph support network is yes. like the best thing ever <laughs> because every once in a while in our life very mm-hmm. uncommonly we'll have an incredible need for support being able to have a community of people that supports you is really valuable. Mm -hmm. And if you're not the kind of person that has a large community that understands you, or if the event you're going through is one that's very specifically queer or kinky or, or Mm non-monogamous, um, I mean, that can be pretty much anything. It could be death of a girlfriend that your family doesn't know about. Yeah. 
it can be something like that where you just want to be seen mm-hmm. as a grieving lover rather than just as grieving for your friend. Yeah. Having that support network is so valuable. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I once had um, a partner go into hospital with an oh, infection no. and I was working 12-hour days six days in a row I was I had a show call because I'm a stagehand and sometimes that's just the way work looks for me yeah doesn't always look like that Mm -hmm. but occasionally and I just I didn't have time some Mm -hmm. of my days were 14 hours and I was finding trying to get downtown back to my place in Richmond and then downtown the next morning was like I already only had like like six hours or so to sleep Mm -hmm. so I ended up getting um my then nesting partner to drive me out there one night so I could see her for like 40 minutes but I I always took a lot of solace in knowing I had a metamor out there mm-hmm. who was with her in the hospital. What do you need? What can I get you? An absolute gem. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was so comforting it's for such, me. It's such a lifeline, like, honestly. Yeah. like, and, and, yeah, no, I I really appreciate having, like, really great metamorships. I just think it just makes things like this, like, especially when it's hard times, like, it mm-hmm. makes things so much more easier, and, you know, it's really enriching my, my partner's, um, my, I keep wanting to say my partner's metamors, which is not semantically correct. Yeah. <laughs> that's I not, that's not what I'm trying to say. My metamors, um, they are very mm-hmm. much my metamors, um, and I, we, we have a great time, like, we, we talk about makeup, or, you know, it's even, like, the frivolous things, but it's yeah, so much fun, yeah. or, you know, um, and it is really enriching, and just knowing that, like, I'm accepted by my partner's partners, and that, you know... It's wholesome. It is, and it was, I actually cried when, when he was like, hey, like, you have a whole family here that's willing to support you, like, if you ever need anything, like, it's not just me that's here for you, we're all here for you. And I was just, and I just bawled, and I was just like, oh my god, like, this is so nice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very comforting, and it's very, very wholesome. There's there's a sense of community when you know that a person you just met loves someone that you love. Mm-hmm. When you know that they would really work hard to support and care for, and just try and enrich the life of someone that you really care for and support and want to enrich the life Yeah, and it goes both ways. Like, I know, like, you know, there have been days where my partner's like, hey, you know, this is going down. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay, how can I support you best? You know, is it just, you know, do you need to, like, like, because we're always texting I'm like if you need to be offline for a bit like that's fine like you know do what you need to do but like how can I best support you and how can I best also support my metamor like, right. like you know who's, who's gonna take the brunt of this support yeah yeah like you know and it's like what can I do to make it easier because I don't just care about my partner I care about my metamors too you know because they're also people that make my partner happy so mm-hmm. you know it's it, it really does kind of go both ways and mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of nice and I've had situations where I haven't gotten along with my metamor. Sure. And that's an interesting time, too. So for anyone who m- may not know, technically the rule is you don't actually have to be friends with your metamor. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's no right way to do that. There's calling. no right way to do that. Um, and, you know, I have realized that I am a person who likes to be friends with my metamors. Mm-hmm. Um, and not being friends with my metamor is kind of an interesting situation. You can absolutely do it. There are ways to, to do it. Um, there are plenty of people who prefer it. Yeah. And there's plenty I'm, of people. I'm not one it. of them. But there <laughs> yeah, are neither, of neither am do. I. Neither am I. There are people that prefer it that way, and it is completely possible and doable. Um, it's I just not my thing. I once dated someone who was a very, I, I think the term is individualistic poly person mm. versus community minded poly person. Mm-hmm. 
and she struggled with a lot of anxiety and for her meeting new people was an anxiety in- inducing experience wow and because she was still you know fairly new to poly mm-hmm. like learning about well what do you mean metamors will want to talk with me like that's stressful mm-hmm. why would i put myself in that highly stressful situation that might aggravate anxiety when i can choose not to yeah so there's there's a whole like variety of reasons why people might choose to be more individual minded but I'm definitely a more community minded human and I really do like knowing my metamors I find it helps me cope with jealousy it helps me experience yes. compersion it just makes the whole process so much smoother for me I, I agree wholeheartedly I am such a community poly person like yeah, if I'm gonna too. be poly it's it's all about the community and like having that compersion for my partner ah, it's just it's, oh, so good. it's so good it is such a great feeling when you can just be so happy for someone and yeah. they're happy you know so yeah it's really hard to explain to somebody who has never experienced it like how life-affirming compersion can be mm-hmm. um, and again compersion is not something everyone who is polyamorous experiences Mm-mm. it's not something that you necessarily need to make a goal to experience there's right. no right way to do it absolutely on the other hand if you manage to get to a place where you can experience compersion i think even just a taste of it is worth a lot yeah that's my feeling Uh, No, I totally agree because it's so nice. Just, you know, like you said, like these are people that make my partner happy and like they're happy together. Like that makes me happy. Like it's just a whole big happy feel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, if my relationship with my partner is going to end, that's going to happen regardless of what other people that partner's Mm -hmm. dating. Yeah. That's been my take on it anyway. I mean, ultimately, why would they choose to end a relationship with somebody who's not in any way interfering or getting in the way of their life goals or like it just isn't rational to me why Mm -hmm. someone would want to leave me but then again a lot of people who experience jealousy are very well aware of that on an intellectual rational level Mm -hmm. but then the the emotions that come into it cannot line up with that as well so i don't mean to um cheapen anyone's struggle or say anything Mm -hmm. that might be upsetting I just mm-hmm. wanted to acknowledge that that's, that's a thing. It's it okay. It is a thing, you yeah. Be, you be where you are. Totally. I think yeah. for me, um, jealousy, I kind of, I kind of take jealousy, um, I forget where I learned this, but I take jealousy as an opportunity and it's like, hey, like, why do I feel like this? What am mm-hmm. I missing here? Like, what is going on that is making me feel this way, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a really great opportunity actually to kind of step back and to like look for growth and to figure out what's going on here like what am I missing can this partner provide that for me do I need to go look for this thing that I'm feeling a lack of and a need for elsewhere like Mm. you know um so jealousy is like a growing opportunity if you ask me I I Um, mean I take the same perspective mm -hmm. on it at the same time um No, I mean, I, I very much take the perspective that jealousy is an opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say at the same time, maybe that's why we agree on so much. Like, we right. tend to have, like, a very similar worldview <laughs> when it comes to poly. And I, I always try and um, select guests that I will have a really good interplay with where right. we're, like, similar, but not, like, at exactly the same agreement <laughs> point. And I feel like for non-monogamy, we, like, exactly <laughs> agree on a lot of things. And it's just both of us being like, yes, here's what yes, I think. The other person being like, yes, and I 100% agree. <laughs> Here's what I think. Oh, I also 100% agree with that. I'm like, does this even interesting to listen to anymore? (laughs) 
We apologize to the listeners <laughs> who are who are not are not here with us, enjoying the camaraderie of feeling completely understood. At least, mostly understood, I should say. Yeah. No. Um... Like my perspective is like you're gonna do really well in non-monogamy. You're like a year and a half in, and you already see jealousy as an opportunity for growth. You're like, you know, non-hierarchical. You're community-minded. Not that those are necessarily any better than any other kind. Right. right. Other kinds might be just as successful or effective. Yeah. And yet, I find myself immediately leaning towards like, oh, this person's really similar to me. Aww. I think they're gonna do really well. Oh, I'm blessed. That's really sweet of you. Thank you. Because I have no clue what I'm doing, and I'm just like, fuck it. I don't even know. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm going with my gut, and I'm going with my right. heart and my brain. So yeah. to hear you say that is actually really affirming. It's like, okay, thank you. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm probably doing something okay, you know. Um, but yeah, jealousy. At the very happens. least, I can say you're doing a lot of things in a way that I found has worked for me in my lived experience. Well, that's cool. That, that doesn't works necessarily for me. mean it's gonna work for you, but hopefully it does. Hopefully it does. You know, um, mm-hmm. for me, and this is kind of like the one bit of advice that I give to everyone. Uh, well, there's two parts to it, really. The first one is you're always learning, growing, and changing. Holy mm-hmm. fuck, mm-hmm. I'm always learning, growing, and changing, even when I forget that I'm doing that, and then I suddenly look back six months and go, oh shit, you know? I did a whole bunch of learning, growing, and changing, and here I am now. Okay, well, let's just, you know, right. let's figure out who I am now and keep moving forward, and that is something that always happens, um, and mm-hmm. that's that's true of me in identity, that's true of me in kink, that's true of me in poly, is just a constant learning, growing, and changing. That's just kind of who I am as a person, and mm-hmm. the other kind of bit of advice that I have and this other kind of thing that I deeply deeply believe in is communication yeah be like above everything else just clear open honest communication and like yeah if you can have that like that's that's all you need like to me that's like the thing it's like the one thing that I hold on to like if I've got this I'm good like I don't need to know anything else I will figure the rest of it out and it's it's worked really well for me and my partner and my partner um, bless him has been very very considerate you know and he was like hey I'm gonna you know I have this person coming over like they're gonna stay here for a couple of weeks here's you know I've told you this what do you need from me and I'm like okay well I need to know what to expect x y and z okay great and then we kind of talk about it negotiate and I'm like okay I'm good now like you know thank you for telling me I'm not going to be jealous because now I need I know what I need to know and please go have an amazing time like I'm so excited for you you know Mm. so that's kind of that's kind of why I feel like communication is so key I mean communication is key for that reason and many many others I'm sure yes but I mean like I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm just this person I don't know maybe I'm not but I just feel like I'm this person for whom communication is like is life do you know what I mean like it is the thing that I cling to you know I think I think being a person who also manages depression and anxiety Mm. I find communication helps mitigate a lot of those symptoms so much oh my god especially the anxiety and like the whole like it's so easy when you're an anxious person to be like oh my god god this person hates me absolutely oh my god this person hates me and it's like as soon as you're able to communicate like when it just like clears all of that doubt away and you're like okay we're good i'm struggling with a lot being um a podcaster because i released like the 30 minute um short that i did on Mm. consent and someone like immediately discontinued being a patreon supporter Mm. and i have so few of you amazing humans that are listening thank you so much yay patreon supporters Um, but I have so few that it was like there wasn't even a conversation. Mm. And it wasn't even like that person maintained getting the benefits until the end of the month and then canceled before. Like, they didn't even just not renew, which is, like, the normal way to go about it so that, you know, you still get all the benefits that you've already paid for. It was like, 
I'm canceling today. Like, dishonor on you, dishonor oh, on your no. cow. Oh my gosh. Oh no. And yeah. I shouldn't be laughing because that's no, really sad. Laugh. But I totally love that laugh. you went for that reference and that From I knew Mulan it. Reference. Totally. Because that's. Aww. It definitely was like Mushu losing his. Like, oh my goodness. That is. Yeah, that's hard. And for the audience, the cow is actually a horse. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That was the best part of that movie for me. I was like, Mushu, you rock. Um, Yeah, yeah, no, that's so hard. And, like, as an anxious person, I would Mm -hmm. freak out, too. Like, I totally get it, where it's like, you know, um, and that's that's something that I've realized, too, is, like, I need to, you know, be with people that I'm able to communicate with. You know, Mm -hmm. I may not click as well with someone who is kind of, you know, doesn't want to communicate as much, and that's Mm -hmm. very hard for me, and it's like, you know, I, I take things very much at face value. If you say you're good... I'm going to trust that you're good. I'm not going to be like, are you sure you're good? Like, I can't do that because I'm just going to go bananas otherwise, you Mm -hmm, know? So mm -hmm. I'm just like, you know, what you say is what it is. And if, Mm -hmm. you know, and if it's not, you know, as straightforward as it appears to be, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not in, you know, I can't even do it. So the communication's necessary for me as well, Mm -hmm. just because it soothes my anxiety and that in turn if if my anxiety isn't soothed, I find that it tends to crop up in other ways like jealousy. Oh, God, Whereas yeah. if it is soothed, it's like, oh, I guess jealousy wasn't as big of a problem as I thought it was. Yeah. And maybe that's just because the jealousy I experience is tied into insecurities. Mm-hmm. And those insecurities, when they when I get my needs for security um, met through, you know, words of encouragement and, and other kinds of support for my partners, it it just doesn't tend to manifest because, like, those needs have been taken care of so mm-hmm. I, I don't feel insecure so I don't experience like an intense sense of jealousy absolutely yeah yeah no so part I'm... of it's just knowing yourself and part of it is asking for what you need for sure but again communication yeah no for sure um yeah and the anxiety thing is such a huge part of it because if it goes if you're mm-hmm. not able to like deal with your anxiety it, it does it bubbles up in so many different ways I think and in just in the way you interact with your partners and even just sometimes like I'll say to my partner like if, it, if I'm talking about something that does give me anxiety and I'll just be like are you mad at me like even though I know he's not and I'll just be like please please are you mad at me and he's like no of course not and I'm like okay thank god you know like but sure. it's just those little things that you do and it just um it really does help manage and mitigate and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff I do the same sort of thing yeah. I'll let my partner know like I have needs for, for security and reassurance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this fear that you are really angry at me. And my partner will usually just be like, I'm not angry at you. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, okay, okay, good. <laughs> Thank you for helping reassure me there. Yeah. It, it was actually really helpful for me. And yeah. even just communicating to them how helpful it was, mm-hmm. um, I, I often find there's a lot of gratitude there because it's an opportunity for them to show how much they care in a way that costs them almost nothing, but for yeah. me is so significant. No, absolutely. I love that. I love when it's, you know, able to help in a way. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. something that's mm-hmm. um, really comforting. Yeah, no, things that are very, very helpful to do. I feel like I'm talking in a circle, but things that are, like, helpful for the other person, it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things where it's like, hey, if I can do a yeah. thing and it'll and it's easy for me to do and it helps you, why not? Absolutely. Yeah, and that almost takes us full circle into kink, which will be our <laughs> next podcasting <laughs> session. So perfect. we'll end this sec- session here. Sure. And uh, I will start another one with you in just a short while. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you so much, Irene, for being on the show and Thank you. giving us all this amazing information. <laughs> hey, it was my pleasure. That was so much fun. Awesome. Thank you. So how did you like it, Intimates? Leave your comments on Facebook.com slash Intimate Interactions or go straight to the Patreon group at Patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. Both are easy to find from IntimatePodcast.com. So what are you waiting for? 
Go join the Free Intimates community and start connecting with others. I'll see you on there. Attribution. The intro music was Unbury Your Heart by Siobhan Decay, and the outro music was Dancing with Fire by Daniel Birch. Disclaimer. I apologize in advance if something I say discriminates against some folks or is highly problematic. I'm open to being called in. I'll probably look back in future and see something I'm not proud of. I'm not perfect. I'm certainly trying to be mindful of the voices I lift up and the perspectives I encourage. And along that line, I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the land on which I live and play, the unceded traditional Coast Salish territories, specifically those of the Musqueam, Kwantlen, Sawasan, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, 